Matthew 11:25 through 30. At that time, Jesus said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and learned and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for this is what uh, you were pleased to do. All things have been committed to me by, by my Father. No one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And so we've uh, used an order of service that was designed to be uh, so that it would be uh, just try to be uh, understanding that a lot of people are going to be online. And most of our assembly is here in person. Again, we still have uh, I checked here just a minute ago. There was eight or so devices online. And so we're going to to work with having a, an assembly that flows a little smoother than we've had. But if you're online, our plan is to have the lesson right around 11 a.m. So it just changes just a few minutes if you're online. But for, if we're uh, here in the assembly, we'll uh, uh, introduce some more flow into our assembly uh, somewhat like we had before and with some things that we'll, we'll tweak as we go along. And we're learning as we go, right? That's how it, it works in this world until we launch into eternity. We're adapting, we're changing and, uh, with the mission of God and uh, being more like him. Okay, if you notice as well, the bulletin that you have is just a single sheet of nine and a half by 11. We're uh, working on tweaking some things. Chelsea, in her, her great, uh, wonderful spirit, has said, hey, I will continue to do the bulletin. And some of the roles that she's had before as a church secretary, she's not going to have, and we'll have more information coming up. But she said, I can do the bulletin, um, but we're going to uh, change it up to where it's simpler to print and that sort of thing. And so we're in process there as well, but thank you for Chelsea for, for uh, keeping that on for the time being. And so we'll, uh, we'll uh, adapt as we go along again. Now, here in the last while, I've been going through First Timothy and Titus talking about some of the qualities that are listed as qualities of people that you want to ask to serve as elders. Now, we've talked about some of these qualities, like, for example, loves what is good. Not someone that just does what's good because I have to, but someone that deep down, when nobody else is looking, just genuinely loves what is good and loves honoring God. And there's a whole lot of good qualities come from our lives when not just elders, but everybody in general loves what is good. Now, in addition to that, we talked about being blameless or above reproach. This is the idea that when some accusation comes against someone, if a person is above reproach, you think, man, that just doesn't sound like them at all. That doesn't sound like what I know of them and their character. That's the idea of being above reproach, is that a person's name is, is very clearly someone who is above board and not uh, someone that, that bends the rules and, and all that. And today we're going to talk about another one of these overarching qualities that there's a lot of descriptions in First, in first Timothy and, and Titus. And we're going to talk about gentle shepherds and interpersonal qualities. 
You heard me say this, I said it a few weeks ago, and I'll say it again, and we'll say it a lot. Because in Scripture, the way we interact and treat other people shares a whole lot about who we are really as people and our spiritual maturity. Because when we don't get our way, when things don't pan out like we anticipate, we learn something about ourselves and how we treat other people in those times. And so 1 Timothy 3 and Titus have a whole lot to say about that. Now, as we jump into that, I want to... I'll read 1 Timothy and Titus here in just a minute. But I want to introduce you to someone. Can everybody see this little guy here? He is... uh, If you wind him up, you can hear just a little bit of there's the music box in him still works. And uh, this is, uh, I won't tell you his name because it's too embarrassing, and we'll never live that down. But this is my teddy bear from when I was a little boy. Um, He's a thousand years old. He's been around a long time. Now, this guy... uh, it was given to me by some, I think, I'm not sure. I have to ask my parents to see if they remember. But my dad was going through the garage at their house and throwing out old stuff and came across this here last year. And he said, do you want it? I said, yes, I want to keep this. This is something that's, that's cool to keep. And I remember uh, this um, little bear uh, slept beside me in my bed for many, many years, and I would cuddle with him, and I just, uh, I have... You know, it played something that was a very important role in my life at some point in time. Now, I'm going to ask for a volunteer. I would like a little girl in the church here to hang on to him for today and take care of him during assembly. Mike, <laughs> Mike Saul, nice, close. Let's try again. Little girl in the church, you would like to hang on to him. Oh, Westland's got her hand up. Okay, Westland, I'll bring you. So much you can take care of him, and we're going to come back to that because there's a. This is going to demonstrate a very important quality that we're going to talk about here. But let's start in again, First Timothy chapter three. I'll read these verses here. First Timothy chapter three, verses one through seven. Here is a trustworthy saying: Whoever aspires to be an overseer desires a noble task. Now the overseer or elder is to be above reproach. Faithful to his wife, temperate, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not given to drunkenness, not violent but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money. He must manage his own family well and see that his children obey him, and he must do so in a manner worthy of full respect. If anyone does not know how to manage his own family, how can he take care of God's church? He must not be a recent convert, or he may become conceited and fall under the same judgment as the devil. He must also have a good reputation with outsiders, so that he will not fall into disgrace and into the devil's trap. Okay, let's go to Titus chapter 3, or excuse me, Titus chapter 1, starting in verse 5. The reason I left you in Crete was that you might put in order what was left unfinished and appoint elders in every town. As I directed you, an elder must be blameless, faithful to his wife, a man whose children believe and are not open to the charge of being wild and disobedient. Since an overseer manages God's household, he must be blameless, not overbearing, not quick-tempered, not given to drunkenness, not violent, not pursuing dishonest gain. Rather, he must be hospitable, one who loves what is good 
who is self-controlled, upright, holy, and disciplined. He must hold firmly to the trustworthy message as it has been taught so that he can encourage others by sound doctrine and refute those who oppose it. Okay, today the, what we're going to talk about is gentleness, hence the teddy bear. Okay, we're going to use this teddy bear to teach us something about gentleness or to remind us, maybe more importantly, of what gentleness is about. And for us, we think about gentleness as something that is warm, fuzzy, that person that we love, that kind hand. And that is all true, but there's more to it than that. And I can guarantee you how, uh, and the reason I ask for a, a little girl to take care of this teddy bear, because what's going to happen is throughout this assembly, this little girl is going to take care of that bear, is going to love it, going to care for it, and we'll... We'll use that as an as a example here in just a minute. So gentleness. Here are a couple of different dictionaries of New Testament words that talk about what gentleness is about. First of all, gentleness is not insisting on every right letter of law or customs, yielding, gentle, kind, courteous, tolerant, and right-minded. Someone who is reasonable. That's the idea. But do you, do you notice here... It's not someone who says, okay, this is the letter of the law, this is how it is, and bam, if you don't fit with that, then you're done. There's something more to that. In saying, as Jesus taught, the Sabbath was made for mankind, not mankind for the Sabbath. Okay, So the law is good to a certain point, but man, I'm going to love you as a person, and I'm going to really care for you as a person. Gentleness is being fair, moderate, patient, not insisting on the letter of the law, it expresses that considerateness that looks humanely and reasonably at all the facts of the case. So as I was thinking about it this week, is what does that look like for a person? And when have I been in situations where I really felt the gentleness or someone showed me that in a way that really impacted me? Thinking about this, just imagine yourself, you're out on the playground and there is, the school bully is out there, and boy, he or she is just wreaking havoc on the other kids around you. And that little, that bully comes up, and they're wreaking havoc on you and your friends, and all of a sudden, man, it just overcomes you, and as you're pushed to the ground, you get up and you swing, and you hit that bully right in the jaw, and that bully runs off, tells the teacher, tells the principal, so-and-so hit me, so-and-so is fighting with me, and you know what the rules are. The rules are no fighting on the playground. So you and this bully get taken into the principal's office, and there you are, and you are terrified because you know what the rule is. You're scared because, oh, no, this is what's going to happen now. Now, when I was in elementary school, Mr. Dean at McGrade Elementary School still had a paddle, and he could give spats. Now, a lot has changed since then, and there was a lot of fear going to the principal's office, and I'm not sure how that works now, but it was, it was, that, that was definitely uh, in the mind of kids if they had to go to Mr. Dean's office. This could finish really, really badly. I just imagine you're sitting there, and you look up, and there's that bully looking at you and saying, just with a smile on his face, saying, I was going to get a spanking anyway. I'm just glad that you're in here, and you're going to get one too. And they're just jeering at you. And you're sitting there thinking, oh, no, this is going to be bad. I know that I've broken the rules and all of that. And here comes the teacher into the room and sits down and looks at both of you and says, you know, I know uh, both of you, um, 
know what happened there. There's probably a lot of witnesses out there. And as this teacher continues to talk, or this principal, what's going through your mind and heart is, man, I am so glad that he or she was the person that walked in the room because they're always kind to me, they're always fair, they love me. And you can't put that in words as an elementary school student, but you know that that person is going to not just blast you for trying to do something good, even if it's against the rules. That person is going to walk side by side with their hand on your head saying, hey, it's all right, it's going to be okay. And yes, you broke the rules, and maybe there's some consequences, but I understand the circumstances here, and I care for you as a person. That's the idea of gentleness there. Not the letter of the law, but I'm going to take the whole person into account here, and I'm going to walk side by side with you in this. Or think about it in in these terms. If you're at work, and boy, you blow a project, and something you knew you were supposed to do, it did not pan out, and you know that partly it is your fault. And your manager, boss, whoever just says, hey, I understand these things happen. I've made mistakes myself. It's all right, okay? I'm going to walk side by side with you in this, and it's going to be okay. So what do we learn from this? Okay, there may be some consequences, but it's not the end of the world. It's going to be okay. The letter of the law is not more important than the soul of the person. Someone that walks along you and cares deeply for you. Or maybe it's that person that you know that you have uh, experienced enough life with them and you understand their heart that when they when you disagree about something it's no big deal because you can sit down and you can talk it through and you know that that person cares deeply about you cares deeply about others and it's going to be all right it's going to be fine that's the idea of gentleness here and so you think about those are the people As Paul is saying, these are the type of men that you want to appoint as elders. These are the type of people that you want to be. In fact, this is a quality of God. This is part of the fruit of the Spirit, right? This is something, this is a quality that is vitally important to Christian maturity. Now, Paul spends some time talking about what gentleness is not uh, for in part of these, uh, these descriptions here. For example, gentleness is not, he says, being violent. And being violent means someone who is pugnacious person, a bully, a striker, a brawler. In other words, this is that person that no matter what else is happening, man, they're always going to find their way to come in and stir the pot and make a problem. And maybe not with their fists, but definitely with their words. And boy, as soon as they leave the room, it is peaceful. That's the idea there. Someone who is violent, uh, someone who's going to just stir the pot. Or the same idea, someone who is quarrelsome. Someone who is contentious and not peaceable. That person, when they leave the room, there's peace and it's wonderful. And oh man, oh good, everything's better now kind of a thing. Because this is the idea of someone who walks through life, and we can all do this, is it is my way or the highway. I'm going to get my way, and if I don't get my way, boy, I'm going to throw a fit. And being right is more important than you as a person. Getting my way is more important than you as a person, and the business deal that I have going on is more important than you as a person. Those sort of things. That's the idea of someone who is violent and quarrelsome. And Paul is saying, you don't want to appoint people to spiritual leadership that have these qualities. Not at all. Here's another one that he talks talks about. Gentleness is not being overbearing. And this term overbearing, and there's a lot to it, and there's you see it's a bigger definition here. Being self-willed, stubborn, arrogant, a preoccupation with one's own interests. 
self-pleasing, one who is dominated by self-interest, and inconsiderate of others, arrogantly asserts his own will, one who so overvalues his conclusion that he cannot be reasonably talked out of it. (laughs) Okay, the idea here is, I know that there's times where I'm sure my family would tell you that talking to me feels like talking to a wall. Okay, I think all of us, if we're honest, we have those moments that we live in that. But that's what he's talking about here is the idea that, hey, I'm it. Everyone else is an idiot. Now, you know what I'm talking about is that, man, I've just got everything figured out. And boy, if everybody else could figure out just what I know, then the whole world would would uh, come together and everything would be fine. Man, everybody is just dumb and they've got to listen to what I have to say. That sort of idea is someone who is overbearing. And I thought about, just in the context of spiritual leadership, uh, there's a situation, or a friend of mine, it was a couple situations, I'll share them. There's a friend of mine who has, serves, um, has served as uh, one of the elders in Great Falls, and, um, and all of this was very public. It wasn't anything that was hidden in a corner or anything like that. But I learned something very, very valuable from watching his example. I had been in Great Falls not very long. I was a really young guy, and... Um, his daughter found herself in a, in a tough spot, and it was, it was a visible enough situation that the elders were going to have to walk her and the church through it. And I remember his, uh, that my friend was an elder at that point in time, and it was a pretty tough spot for him to be in because he had to serve as an elder, but he also had to serve as dad, and it was tough to figure out how to do that. And what happened is the other elders said, please just step aside and let us take care of it. You can be dad, but you trust us to take care of it. And he said, I'll do it. And so whenever that discussion came up in the elders' meetings, he'd say, all right, I'm stepping out. I'll step out. It's okay. And it, it was handled beautifully and for people's uh, souls to be saved and to be taken care of. But I saw something from him is he was not going to come to the table and say, I will get my way here. But I will do and I will submit to what is best for the community of God. And he showed that as something that he was was a quality that he was not going to be overbearing. Now, years later, uh, he ended up uh, in his own business making some some poor decisions, as he said, sinful decisions that started coming out in the community. And so he approached... uh, the, uh, the elders and, my, and myself and Scott Laird, we were all in the room, and he said, there's something that I need to share, and I'm going to repent of it because it is sinful. And if I shared with you, you know, some of you would say, really, that's not that big a deal. Come on, you, no, don't let your imagination go wild here, okay? But he made some poor business decisions. And he said, I'm afraid that this is going to reflect negatively on the church somewhere, and I want to be transparent about this. And so I'm going to tell the church about it, and I want to see what they want to do. And he got up on a Wednesday night and just said, here's the deal. This is what happened. This is the decisions that I made. And I feel that I may, on some level, not be above reproach because of these decisions. So I want you as a church to decide whether I should continue to serve as an elder at this point or not. And so we took some time, you know, did handouts, that sort of thing. And the church responded saying, yeah, we believe that you need to step aside for a while. Just step aside with the understanding that you are fully forgiven and we appreciate your repentance, but that's probably a good idea for you to step aside. And I talked with him here and he hasn't served as an elder there since, but what I saw from him 
When he stepped aside, he said, I want the church to know that I will not leave. I plan to be active in the church, and I'm just going to see how I can serve from here out. And when I talked to them on the phone here, probably a couple of months ago now, he said, man, Chris, I've got different Bible studies that I'm doing right now. I have different, there's a, another young man that I eat lunch with once a week that I'm mentoring, that I'm spending time with, and all these things. And even though I don't serve as a recognized elder, I am doing as much or more than I've ever done in my life right now. And you could just hear the excitement in his voice. Because he is one that even though you know, he, he's one that has a strong personality, he would tell you, I was not going to be overbearing. I was not going to get my way and demand it. It's not right. And that's not what God calls for his people to be like. And he provided a great example for me that I will remember for the rest of my life in that. Gentleness is not being quick-tempered. This means someone who is inclined to anger, prone to get angry easily. Boy, you better careful. you got to walk around in eggshells constantly because who knows what's going to happen next kind of thing. Again, all of us can be that way. And God's plan for us is to mature beyond that into a place where we live with gentleness that he talks about. Here's another one, another quality that's important that deals with gentleness. His gentleness, as Timothy and Titus talk about, is having a good reputation with outsiders. Because we as people, something, something we can do sometimes is we can, in a group like a church or in a group somewhere, we can contain ourselves to a point and act well to a point. But as soon as we get out of that group of people, we change. And uh, maybe sometimes people who are outside the church have a, a better perspective on who we really are than we are when we're inside the church community. Because, you know, when we're in the building, we're not supposed to swear, we're supposed to act better, you know, all that kind of stuff. But people outside see a different us. And Paul's point here is, If they're seeing a different you, then there's a gentleness factor here. Or if you're angry outside the building and you're not inside the building, there's there's a factor here that you need to consider. Uh, Having a good reputation with outsiders is important. Um, We'll talk about that some more another time. But I want us to think about as far as gentleness and where does this come from. And think about just for a second, if you look in Scripture... Do you see God as one who is a gentle God? I think there's times and places in Scripture that I wrestle with that I think, boy, that was, that was a pretty harsh thing that God did there. But it's always in the context of someone who is uh, destroying their life spiritually and pursuing really dishonest immorality and, and terrible things that are going to be destructive for themselves and people around them. And God shows them, okay, now if you're going to be destructive with your life this way, here's the consequences. Boom. He sends people in the Old Testament into slavery, all of that type of thing that happens. But I want to look at Isaiah chapter 40. Go ahead and turn there. Isaiah chapter 40. And this isn't the only time that God is spoken of as a shepherd. In fact, one of our favorite psalms, right? Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. That's right. And then there's this picture of God being this shepherd that leads his sheep through this wonderful, uh, uh, through dark times and takes care of them. So in Isaiah 40, what's happened is Isaiah, remembers that prophet that lived at a time where people were really not receptive to the message of God. In fact, it seems like what's happening at the end of Isaiah in the last chapters, and there was someone pointed this out to me here this last week, is that the people of Israel have to decide who they're going to be. Are they going to be the people that don't take worship 
to God and assembly seriously? Are they going to be the people that don't really care about the poor? Are they going to be people that, that accumulate wealth and just do whatever? Are they going to be people that, oh, they say great things when they're there at the temple, and, but they're going to be worshiping these other gods on the side? Or is Israel going to be a nation that says, no, we will be faithful to God. We will care about the poor. We will tithe. We will uh, be people that are going to, uh, to take our relationship with God and our worship and assembly to him very seriously. And that's going to be something that's important to us. If you know the rest of the story, Israel chose to not take God very seriously. But what happens here is in, uh, during the life of Hezekiah, there is there are some uh, some important people, some authorities from Babylon that come to visit. Heard that Hezekiah was sick, and they send this goodwill uh, offering there. And what Hezekiah does is he walks them through the palace, and he shows them all the riches that are there, saying, "Hey, look at this! Isn't this amazing? Look at this! This oil! This is some of the finest oil around. It's amazing! Look at this!" And he just takes them around, and they just have a ball. And Isaiah comes to Hezekiah and says, "Wait a minute." Hezekiah, what did those people see? And uh, he said, I showed them everything. And Isaiah says, man, there will be a time when everything that you showed them will be taken by the Babylonians and the generations to come. And even your own children that are not born yet or descendants that are not born yet are going to go and serve in that palace. And just this bad news And look what happens afterwards. I'll start reading in chapter 40, verse 1. This is what Isaiah says afterwards. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and proclaim to her that her hard service has been completed, that her sin will be paid for and that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. And this is where, from the Old Testament, this verse comes from. A voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord. This is speaking about John the Baptist. Make straight in the desert a highway for God. Every valley shall be raised up, every mountain and hill be made low, and the rough ground shall become level, the rugged places a plain, and the glory of the Lord will be revealed, and all people will see it together, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Man, and this is what the people were waiting for, that someday there would be this time where God would restore all the goodness to Israel. And they're waiting for this voice in the desert to come. Let's fast forward to uh, verse 9. He says that God is saying about this time that was going to come. You who bring good news to Zion, go up on a high mountain. You who bring good news to Jerusalem, lift up your voice with a shout. Lift it up and do not be afraid. Say to the towns of Judah, here is your God. See, the sovereign Lord comes with power and he rules with a mighty arm. See, his reward is with him and his recompense accompanies him. Now check this out in verse 11. He tends his flock like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs in his arms and carries them close to his heart. And he gently leads those that have young. He's saying, God is this great shepherd. And your disobedience and your hard hearts are going to drive, have driven you far away from him. But this is what God wants. God wants to carry you like a shepherd carries a sheep. Westland, can you bring the... The teddy bear back up here. Thank you so much. Thank you for taking care of him for me. Thank you so much. So 
I couldn't see all of it. She's a little squirt, but she's there. But I noticed that how she carried this little guy when she went back to her mom and dad and brother and how she brought him back, that she was carrying him gently. Let's let that image remain in our minds. Because this is, what this, this is what God is talking about in terms of gentleness. He wants to be the God who says, I will carry you. I will walk with you. Just walk in the light. Walk towards me, okay? You've got all sorts of stuff in this life you have to wrestle with. But I got it, okay? It's all good. I got it. Just walk with me. Don't try to do it on your own. And because he has shown us gentleness, as the scripture that Luke read here just a minute ago, my yoke is easy, my burden is light. Come to me. That's what Jesus is saying. That gentleness, that warm person that you want to come and walk side by side with you. Now, I think it's easy for us when something is cute. Well, cute is in the eye of the beholder. I think he's cute. I think he's wonderful, you know. But when something's warm like this, it's easy for us to snuggle up to. But what God calls us to be is where the rubber meets the road for us as people of faith is to learn to love our enemies and be gentle with those that are not gentle with us. That's a great quality, deep spiritual quality that God has called us to cultivate. And he's, uh, he's shared, as Paul, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, has said, these are the type of people you want shepherding God's church. And he calls all of us to be people that cultivate that quality of gentleness. I pray that we can do that more and more this week. If you'd like to become a Christian or you'd like prayers of the church, you're welcome to head to the back. There's people that are back there. They'll pray alongside you.